Welcome to Staring Vegans, the podcast where famous and not so famous guests share their unique vegan stories. Hello everyone, this is episode 3 of the podcast. I'm your host, Cyril, and today I'm talking to Amelia Childs, who lives in Boston in the USA. She owns a cafe there and is planning the opening of another one in Philadelphia later in the year. She also runs the Vegan Massachusetts Instagram page and has her own podcast about ghost hunting in New England. Amelia started a vegan journey 17 years ago at the age of 14. I loved discovering her vegan journey and talking about her motivations, food accessibility and the use of fur among other things. So here's my interview with Amelia. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome Amelia. Thank you for joining me today. It's nice to have you here. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. So I'm going to ask you a few fun questions to start with, uh, and then we can dive onto your vegan journey. Sure. So first, what's your favorite animal and uh, why? Uh, my favorite animal is the house cat. Um, I just love house cats. I love my cat, Felicity, to pieces. Um, following that, I'd say maybe a wombat. I think they're really cool critters um, and a lot of fun. So, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Wombats is not the common animal you'd think about. But yeah, they're pretty cool. And what quick meal do you like to make or to eat? Uh, my favorite quick meal to make is tofu scramble. Um, I make it all the time. It's super fast, super nutritious, and really, really easy. Yeah, and it's really good. I love it too. And if you had the superpower to turn people vegan, uh, who would you choose and why? Mm, just one person? Let's see. Um... Uh, well, it can be a couple persons, but yeah, maybe one person, like if you had to choose. <laughs> um, I would say Joe Biden and Oprah Winfrey, because they have like really big audiences. I think people are listening to them a lot right now. So I think that'd make a really big impact. Yeah, I never thought about that, but that's true. Having someone like pretty influential. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that would change a lot of people's minds, especially Oprah. I think people sure. really listen to her a lot. Oh yeah, for sure. She's very influential, for yeah. sure. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a great, great response. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so let's start uh, with your vegan journey. So what does it look like? When did it begin? How did you become vegan? Sure. So I became vegan at a pretty young age. Um, I switched over at 14 years old. I went straight from um, omnivorous, eating you know chicken all the time, to straight vegan. Um, at that point, I was a freshman in high school, and I think I was just um, I got really into these ideas of like anarchy and. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, looking at political spheres and governments. And then I started looking into a lot about um, transportation and environmental factors like that. So, you know, if, if, if we're getting all of our meat and all of the um, stuff from these different states here, because the United States is so huge, um, how is that affecting things like the transportation? Um, you know, how is that affecting greenhouse gases? And at that point, I was so young, I was just thinking greenhouse gases as far as the trucks go. Mm -hmm. As I started learning more about it and getting, you know, diving more in, um, it, to me, it just seemed like the obvious way to go. Um, I'm not, I, I wouldn't say, and there, there was a point where I, I, activism is still very important to me and I still do it. I've switched how I did it from when I was younger, but my biggest thing is I just feel like it's something I can do, right? So I don't believe in like shaming people mm -hmm. who aren't vegan. I don't believe it. I believe in like, you know, 
loving people and making it accessible and making them want to do it. So at, at that point, at 14, I thought, you know, it's just something I can do. It's pretty easy for me. Um, my mom at that point, and th- this will tie in later to my vegan journey, but my mom at that point, she said, you know, I'm not making two meals every night. And her and my father, they didn't think that I would stick being vegan. Um, but I was so headstrong. They just said, well, okay, but I'm not cooking, so you can learn how to cook. Um, wow. And I said, okay. So I, you know, I, I, I got a little job at a natural food store um, about a mile and a half from my house. So I used to walk down there, and they had some vegan options. And okay. so I, I kind of learned how to, like, cook tofu. Um, at that mm-hmm. point, it was just tofu. <laughs> just do, like, tofu on a pan with soy sauce. Um <laughs> Rice milk was a really big thing, so I tried to like swallow down rice milk, and like I you can't even find rice milk anymore. Um, but so that's how it started. Um, it started like that, and then I started making like these activism clubs within my high school. I got really into the environment club in school. You know, I, I didn't really care too much about schoolwork, but I, I got into all these other things. At the same time, I was into like Amnesty International, and you know, how do we, you know, it, veganism? It, it can be like all encompassing, and I I do a lot of work with them. You know human rights as well and so it just it, it all kind of made sense you know and then i started thinking about like the suffering of the animals then you start thinking about the suffering of the people working with the animals and you start thinking about how like all of this is connected right like mm-hmm. no matter where yeah. we are what we do and and our consumerism how how is it all connected how is this affecting people in different areas right so you know i, I kept doing like that and then i went to college mm-hmm and I, I was still into activism. I was going to a lot of protests. I, I was, you know, trying to get the community together a lot. And I started baking and cooking a lot for people. And as I was baking and cooking, people, you know, they were like, wow, vegan food's actually really good. And I'm like, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so, you know, then that, that would make it a little more accessible to them. So, you know, they weren't becoming vegan. They weren't becoming vegetarian. But now when they'd go out, I'd notice them ordering, you know, the vegan dessert because they'd be like, oh, well, you make a good vegan dessert. So, you know, I'll try the vegan cake here. Or, you know, we'll try a vegan appetizer this time. So, you know, these little kind of changes. And that, that got me really excited and really motivated. Yeah. So I, I kept going from there. And then, um, you know, my career just kept kind of going and going. And one thing led to another. And I just fell backwards into vegetarian cafes. And that's kind of where I am now. You know, I, I have cafes that are completely meat-free um, in the suburbs of Massachusetts. And we're getting ready to, um, or I should say I'm getting ready to open an all vegan one down in Philadelphia um, pretty soon, which is very exciting. That's that's very good, yeah. <laughs> and kind of splitting my time between um, the two cities. Okay. So um, we're excited. I have a really good crew up at uh, my store in Massachusetts. So I'm very excited to kind of expand from there. Um, yeah, I've been vegan 17 years now. And um, I cook vegan a lot. Um, like I said, I have the vegetarian cafes. I work on vegan menus for other restaurants or for their specials. I run the Vegan Massachusetts Instagram page, so we have a lot of following, and we help a lot of small businesses and women and minority-owned businesses in Massachusetts um, get exposure. And um, I had a quick stint where I owned a vegan um, body scrub and bath bomb company. That didn't go quite okay. as well, but I'm hoping to revisit it someday, so I think that'll be good. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's that's my vegan journey in a nutshell. That's I'm so amazed that, that you were able to do that when you were so young like because i heard lots of stories where people become vegetarian at a young mm-hmm. age or like when in the teenage years but fully vegan it's quite impressive and also that you yeah you stuck to it because your parents said they will not cook for you yeah that's 
and amazing and the, the, the activism that you were doing at your high school that mean that you had a really strong mind which is great I think for that movement oh, well thank you I was I was very very headstrong but you know looking back on it I, I really thank my mother because I feel like there um, you know she made it so I, I wasn't like very entitled about it right so mm -hmm. I, I it wasn't just like I wanted to go vegan and everything was gonna be handed to me it's like I had to like work for it and I think that was important too yeah because I think um, you know, it, it kind of teaches you to um, really care about it, really put your hands on But the other thing she did is she told me that um, I could only be vegan if I got my blood work done every six months and it came back fine. So, like, if I got anemia or something, done. You know, she wasn't going to have, like, a sick, you know, 14, you're, you're a child, you're a little girl still. Yeah. So I had to also, in addition to cooking, I had to learn how to keep up my nutrition really, really well. And so when I first started getting into the food industry, it was with juice bars. And then I was in luxury gyms doing juice bars. But because I had all this knowledge from having to keep myself healthy, it, it really helped me in my career a lot, you know. And this wasn't, I didn't, you know, go to culinary school or anything like that. I didn't learn about food, but it just, because of all these different experiences in my life, that's just where it ended up. That's, that's brilliant. I think, yeah, your mom definitely helped you a lot doing that, for sure. Because when you have to learn about everything then you're more likely to stick to it as well when you put so much effort in it you don't want to have done that for nothing so you said you were you learned about nutrition because 17 years ago was there internet they was trying to think when was 17 years ago there was internet but it was like right at the beginning yeah so so it was a lot of like i remember specifically like going to my science okay. teacher and being like how <laughs> how do I stay healthy? And I think that they just like laughed at me and were like, mm, it's not really what we do. But like, you know, I sat down with my doctor and, um, yeah, they told me lots of like broccoli, lots of spinach, things like that. Um, and it just went from there, you know? Yeah. Um, at the beginning I did it all without supplements too. Um, for some reason it like stuck in my mind that if I had to do it, I had to do it right all the way. And that if I did supplements, like people wouldn't, want to be vegan because they'd be like oh well you, you can't do it naturally and I take supplements now but I think it's just because you know I'm older and but I didn't maybe probably not till my late 20s um did I take any and I, I've always stayed very healthy so I, I'm very blessed for that yeah I think you need a minimum supplement definitely you don't need all the supplements that people make you believe you do and of course if you need to have so many supplements then that would mean it's not healthy and it is a healthy lifestyle so it's really impressive that you were able to do that at at 14 and so you said you went to a science teacher but did you have any resources that actually helped like books maybe that were out at the time yeah there were books people bought me a lot of books my grandmother got me a lot of books um my friends i mean once you're like the weird vegan that's all people kind of like associate with you right so yeah <laughs> people were always kind of buying me stuff um, Steve Meyerowitz, he, he was really big for me. So he writes all these books on like wheatgrass and water fasting and just really interesting, exciting stuff. And I've heard him talk a few times. Um, you know, I think he calls himself like Steve Meyerowitz, like the wheatgrass guy. And so I had a bunch of his books too. And, okay. you know, as, as, you know, you get into it more. And then I realized that there's the Boston Vegetarian Society and they're really big here um, in the state of Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. So I kind of hooked up with them. And then they were helping me. And then there was um, this other group, the Massachusetts Animal Rights Coalition, and uh, with Helen and Steve Rayshack. And they helped me a ton. You know, and they were much older, and they just knew the ropes, and they had all been vegan since like the seventies. And so they they all helped me a lot too. So on the weekends, you know, I'd be at school, and on the weekends I'd go and I'd do like pamphleting out in Copley Square in Boston or down at Faneuil Hall. You know, just handing out you know flyers about here's all like the fun benefits of going vegan. 
and um, they they were very influential and helpful. That's amazing that you were able to have people helping you like that and taking you you know under their wing and showing you the ropes. That's amazing that you were able to have that support. Yeah, I was I was very very lucky for it for sure. And so you went from omnivorous straight to vegan. Mm-hmm. What was your biggest challenge, if you had any, like or struggle to, to give up? Like, is it was there like something particular that you felt you missed at the beginning? Yeah, so before I went vegan, I had a bowl of ice cream every single day after dinner. (laughs) And so that was hard because in like 2003 in the suburbs of Massachusetts, there wasn't a lot of vegan ice cream. And like my grandmother, um, she's so sweet. She used to bring me like mango sorbet all the time, but like that's not the same as chocolate ice cream. <laughs> it's it's good and it's great, but um, it's not the same. You know, like things things were very different. You know, now it's like when people talk about how hard it is to go vegan, I just like roll my eyes because it's not. Um, you know, they have entire like sections of grocery stores, and they, like you can have like eighty different types of vegan ice cream whenever you want. And, you know, there's always a vegan option on a menu now, um, which was not the case for a very long time. Um, But the other thing that I really missed was pizza. Um, I'm from a pizza family, we call ourselves. Uh, We had pizza every week out at um, the Alumni Sports Cafe. My parents got engaged over pizza. Um, So, you know, it's a big part of me and my family's culture, and I really miss pizza. And I, I still to this day, I love it so much, and I make it at home all the time. But we found a spot... Um, that had you could you could get like a half regular half vegan pizza okay and they didn't have like vegan cheese but it was like with like hummus and pesto and like you know black beans and stuff and my dad always laughs that they got for us I was a senior in high school at this point and he said that I like I looked like my eyes were watering the first time I had it because I finally I could have like a pizza again and um so pizza pizza was the big one yeah yeah because it's often very cheesy right so and now, you know, there's like all vegan pizza places everywhere. Oh, yeah. And and pizzas, you can buy pizzas at the grocery store. There are so many options now. It's right. so, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine going vegan 17 years ago. But you were in the States. So I'm just thinking because I'm from France, I, I can't imagine 17 years ago. It's, it's still hard today to be vegan there in some places. So I'm just trying to think 17 years ago. Yeah, I, we had a couple of vegan spots um, in Massachusetts. We had um, Grasshopper Cafe, which is still there. And there's a, a spot called Mai Tai um, down in Chinatown, which uh, back then was called Boo's Delight, but it's the same place, same menu. And uh, they, they were there and they've been there the whole time. Um, wow. But other than that, yeah, there weren't that many options. And, you know, now everything's um, come up more and there are so many options. There are so many more vegans and there are so many younger people making the switch and so many young professionals making the switch. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing is, you know, 20 years ago when people were vegan, they were very alternative. It was a... Um, a lifestyle choice that was very unusual. It was meant you were kind of a hippie yeah. or kind of, you know, into punk rock or something like that. It was definitely not mainstream. Now to be vegan, it's, um, and I, I never know if this is like a, a, a good thing or a bad thing, or I think about this often, but it, it, it's almost like you seem more like affluent, right? Like affluent communities will have more vegan options. And, yeah. you know, you see a lot of um, wealthier people going vegan. And you see mm-hmm. a lot of that. And you see celebrities going vegan now. And it becomes this very glamorous lifestyle change. Yeah. You see a lot of, um, you know, CEOs going vegan. A lot of big tech people go vegan. And, again, it's one of those things where I, I'm, 
you know, when I think about it, yeah, like, is that good? Well, yeah, of course it's good. You know, when you asked me at the beginning, like, if I could make anyone go vegan, who would it be? Well, it'd be Oprah and Joe Biden because they have the most influence, right? Yeah. So, you know, if we have CEOs, if we have celebrities, if we have people, these great influence going vegan, wonderful. It's going to make it more accessible. It's going to make more people want to do it. At the same time, though, I think that one thing that we're still really struggling with is how do we make it accessible for everyone, right? Like, yeah. How do we make nutritious foods accessible for everybody regardless of anything and kind of get rid of like canned goods a little bit and maybe get rid of some i guess frozen's okay but you know um we still have so many communities that are living off of fast food like mcdonald's and burger king and not even really thinking about it you know yeah. and, and we have this knowledge and um to to make these switches and so you know why why aren't we making them on the big scale i guess is something i think about sorry i just went off on a total tangent but no no it's 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 very interesting i think i think it's something we have to think about as vegans uh, how can we help make it accessible to to some communities mm-hmm. that can't or or don't have the knowledge or don't have the access to the knowledge um for whatever reason um and also like food deserts so if you're like in a really remote place how can you be vegan because sometimes it's hard to find anything uh, if you don't cook, for example, some people don't cook and they buy just ready-made stuff. And, and so maybe learning how to cook as well, I think, can be a, a big part too. I think it's not in, it's not taught enough at school, nutrition and how to cook. And whereas there are like skills for life that you need in your life more than other skills. And I think, I think it could help definitely if people knew how to cook and learned about nutrition. But it's tricky because vegan is mainstream, but at the same time, there's still lots of places and lots of doctors and lots of people in medicine that don't believe it's healthy or that don't believe it's good for you so it's tricky to navigate i think to try and push it more to some communities if they don't have people there that can support it you know but it's interesting i think to think about differently yeah like and and you know it's like you want these things um to happen of course for the animals right of course of course, for the animals, but also just for the people. I mean, you know, we have yeah. people right now, especially in the United States, like obesity is such a huge problem. High cholesterol is oh, such yeah. a huge problem. Like mm-hmm. these are, are massive problems. And they go, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's it's slowly, I think, becoming like a human rights issue. You know, when we talk about like the pandemic of obesity, which obviously with like the real crazy pandemic going on you're hearing about less but yeah you know it still does it needs to be talked about it needs to be discussed and you know how you know if we can make some more vegan options readily available and like nutritious ones right not just like your you know vegan cheese but you know it, it yeah it, it tastes good and it tastes great and I'm hey I'm not knocking it at all because I use it to cook all the time but you know yes I understand not like awesome for you <laughs> so you know I think you know or maybe just even somehow it's like you said like we need to have classes in school teaching people how to cook right yeah because they used to have those now they don't like we should have classes in school teaching people how to maybe not farm but like how to plant a plant you know like yeah how, how to grow your own tomatoes or how to grow your own vegetables something like that and even if you know it, it's a good skill to have oh yeah it saves you money sure. it helps you know solve these other problems with like I was talking about before, what little Amelia was thinking about, like transportation and how yeah. our goods are coming from all over the world and all oh. over the country. If you can just grow it in your backyard, like it's it's layers and layers and layers as to like why that's beneficial. Mm. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think there are life skills that are, should be taught at school. And 
that are not taught at school. And there's so many things that you learn when you're at school and actually you don't remember any of it because you don't use it in your daily life. But cooking, you'd use it. And, you know, if you have a yard, you're just planting things, you'd use it in your daily life. So, yeah, it's definitely a huge topic on itself yeah. talking about that. And so I'm thinking about when you were so younger and maybe that happened at that time because you you did so many things then but you have like a specific a proudest vegan moment maybe you, someone became vegan because of you or thanks to you i should say <laughs> i i've had i've had a lot of people come vegan um thanks to me which that's a huge moment of course um you know i i believe um i think i touched upon it earlier but you know i, I believe in being like really like i call it like cool veganism like i i never if someone like orders something like what I would consider like very disgusting I never say anything right mm-hmm. like I just go about what I do and eat my own salad and let it roll off but yeah you know I, I have helped a lot of people transition to a vegan lifestyle so um that always means a lot I've um you know with different organizations that I've been involved with over the years you know helped do lots of vegan outreach and bring more people in so that was always a very big deal um or just money to help sponsor local farms in the area um but biggest I don't know. My fiance today told me that he preferred vegan cream cheese over the real one. So he was never going to have the real cream cheese again. And that was like massive for me. You know, I mean, so like that's <laughs> that's good. Even those little things are like my dad. I mean, I make my money. I, I pay all my own bills off of me cooking. Like, you know, like people like have me write menus for them and pay a lot for private meals to come to their house and make. And my dad would refuse to eat my cooking for like a solid 15 years. <laughs> and <laughs> just like recently, now that we have Beyond Beef, like he tried something that I made and he was like, I don't know why this isn't everywhere. Like no one would be able to tell the difference between like this and real hamburger. And I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> like, you know, like these, that's amazing. That's what I'm saying. Like these little things um, that almost makes me feel better. Like just just knowing like how yeah. many people like these things can affect and it that that makes me feel good yes that's that's it's an amazing feeling to to hear that from your parents as well like it's just because also you as you said like it's healthier for you to be vegan like so when it's your family you want them to be healthy without pushing it so when they say things like that obviously it's like it's a huge moment so yeah for sure yep so that those are some of mine i guess (laughs) That's, that's a good one, yeah. And you said you worked with organizations. So what kind of activism did you do then? What, what were the organizations you worked for or, or volunteered for? So I, I've done stuff um, throughout the years from, you know, I, I hate to admit it, and no one really does this anymore, and I kind of think maybe they should. But, um, you know, being the people who would, like, throw paint on the fur coats um, way back in the day, um to you know writing letters to working you know that way with different people um through different grassroots organizations throughout massachusetts but you know or um helping out in farms in different ways things like that just like small ways to do it um at this point because i'm old and i have no time um a lot of my activism comes in ways of writing checks um to organizations i think that um at this point a lot of them can kind of handle that stuff better than i can but um, just always being like really cognizant of kind of what's going on. I don't know. I mentioned the paint throwing a minute ago, 
and I probably shouldn't say this, uh, but <laughs> sometimes I think about it, you know, like we used to do that, right? Like early 2000s, we would do that. Like you'd go in where you'd throw ketchup on someone wearing like all leather or like something just like god awful and gaudy. And at, at that point in like the late 90s, people weren't wearing a lot of fur. And now everyone, everywhere you go is wearing those those Canadian jackets with like the coyote fur on the hood. Yeah. Like, how is this acceptable? Like, it's not acceptable. And, like, I go to all these vegetarian and vegan restaurants, and there are people sitting in there wearing it. And you're like, how is this okay with everyone? Yeah. Like, 20 years ago, like, we would have just thrown stuff at them, you know? Like, they would have just been shamed out of it. And, like, again, like, I guess, like, that goes against what I always said about, like, being a cool vegan and not judging <laughs> people's, like, food choices. But, yeah. I mean, oh, you're going to wear an animal? Like, it's 2021. Like, what are you doing? Like, obviously... If, if, you know, you're you're in an area where that's all you have access to is animals and you're able to hunt and you're able to use all the – and you need it for warmth and you need it for survival, by all means, you know? Oh, I yeah, mean, for sure. But if it's – you need to buy a $1,000 coat, like, you can buy one much cheaper that's going to keep you just as warm. Yeah, and uh, I think a lot of people often say that the alternatives are not necessarily eco-friendly, but I think nowadays there are – eco-friendly alternatives not necessarily polyester or other things that are better and won't be as expensive as because these jackets are really expensive it's not like they're very cheap and you know if you buy ethical coat it'll be more expensive but it's not i'm sure it'll be more or less the same and it's ethical and it's not hurting anyone so i think more and more countries are banning the use of fur and lots of brands are stopping the use of fur in the in the items so hopefully one day in Canada, someone will wake up and say, okay, let's just stop these these jackets. Yes, I, I hope so. So yeah, do you have, because uh, you said you worked in farms, is there like a sanctuary maybe or a charity that is really close to your heart that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, so um, there's the farm sanctuary up in Woodstock, New York. They do a great job. They have um, a wonderful bed and breakfast up there. They do a tremendous amount helping farm animals um, from these huge farms be rescued to go live the rest of their mm-hmm. lives out there um, up in New York and they do a beautiful job and they do great vegan outreach. Every year they raise tons of money to help um, save turkeys around Thanksgiving and um, they're just fantastic. And you know, it, it's very startling when you go up there um, to Woodstock because you see um, you know, all these animals and they're huge. They're massive and it's, it's horrifying because you, you know, regular people, we don't see what a cow looks like when it has been pumped full of hormones and it's like three times bigger than a cow should be or these like chickens that are totally overgrown and it's it's very Mm -hmm. startling and very shocking and i think that um it kind of wakes you up and makes you realize like why you know veganism is so important why it's so important that we um help fight for these animals and don't create more animals like this because it's just not fair like it's not okay yeah it's hard to watch when you go to a sanctuary or rescue farm it's definitely tough and yeah it's great that there are sanctuaries like that to help and it's really important to support them yeah and we we have a lot in massachusetts too we have maple leaf sanctuary we have um a union sanctuary so there's there's a lot um around um, my state too and the part of the United States I live in um, that do a really fantastic job. 
Yeah, that's good. I'll put everything in the show notes so people can have a look. Um, so yeah, what uh, what would you say to non-vegans wanting to make the switch? So what would be your advice to them? That it's so easy. It's it's there's no excuse not to do it. It's very very easy to do. Um, there are options everywhere. Cooking vegan is really fun. Um, if you find yourself to be a very hip person and you want to look really cool, it always looks very cool <laughs> to be vegan, which, you know, when you've been doing it a very long time, it, it loses some of its, you know, coolness. It just becomes who you are. But uh, when you start, everyone's going to think you're pretty hip. So who doesn't want to be yeah, hip, you know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and um, yeah, you know, it's healthy. It's good for you. It's a lot of fun. You have options galore. And um, there's really not much excuse not to do it. Yeah, it's... I think it's it's true. Nowadays, it's a lot easier, for sure. And so where so you talked about a few things at the beginning. So maybe we can uh, go back to these, like about your work. So you have um, a vegetarian cafe, and you can explain why you have a vegetarian cafe for people listening, uh, because you're vegan, uh, and it might be intriguing. And then you can talk about your future projects as well, and about vegan Massachusetts, what you do a bit more in more detail. Sure. So I am vegan. I've been vegan a very long time. I do have a vegetarian cafe. So my cafe, we do have organic eggs and we do have um, some dairy products. And the reason for that is just in the area we're in, um, a vegan cafe, uh, they've come and gone and they just don't really work. So vegetarian, you know, well, kind of like how you were talking about before, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people start as omnivores, they go to vegetarian and then they switch to vegan, right? So yeah. having it be vegetarian, um, I think in the long run helps save more animals because if you have a vegetarian place, more people are apt to go to it. At mine, we sell crepes. So, you know, it's breakfast food. Um, those things I can do a lot with vegetables and, you know, peanut butter and chocolate and everything else. But when you say vegan, sometimes, and we all know this because that's why now the term plant-based is there, right? Because people found yes. the word vegan too offensive and too shocking and too... Um, I don't know, people would just hear vegan and not want to do it. No, I've never had anything vegan. Like they'd never picked up an apple before in their life. But yeah. when you say vegetarian, it makes it a little easier and a little more accessible for them. You know, if you take, let's say you take uh, your dad and your grandfather and your uncle and your boyfriend, right? And you go into a cafe and they all want a coffee and then they're told they can only have like soy milk in their coffee. Like if they've never been exposed to that before, if they don't know anything about it, that's going to be like a little shocking, right? Like, what do you mean? You know, so this is just a way to kind of ease people into it, um, make it, like I said, more accessible, uh, make it seem less scary to them. And I, you know, I feel really um, proud of it. You know, not every vegan agrees with what I'm doing. Um, But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I've served more than a million meat-free meals over the past six, seven years. So I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, that's a great achievement. And you have a project to have a full vegan restaurant. Yes, so that's in the works. That's coming out. So that um, is hopefully going to be in the Philadelphia area um, by the end of this year. Um, And that one is going to be all vegan. Um, It does work better down there, um, fortunately. And we picked out a lot of great spots for it. And um, it's going to be a little different concept. It's going to be more... um, geared to fast casual a lot more salads a lot more um, like veggie burgers a lot more quick sandwiches you can make Um, so we're getting kind of away from the breakfast we're doing more of the lunch 
and um, I'm really excited for it. And I think it's gonna be good. Um, we've tested out a bunch of stuff down there, and I think it's I think it's gonna be a big hit. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. That's very exciting. Start a new project, and do you have any like idea of the timing? Um, so we're gonna see kind of what happens with this vaccine rollout. I'm hoping my ideal timeline would be Oct- October of this year. <laughs> oh yes, sorry, I just somehow yeah forgot we had the pandemic. It, like, <laughs> I was in my bubble, we're talking, and I was like, well, it's it's all good. <laughs> but yes, so October, yeah, right. Yeah, we're thinking October. Uh, right now, um, the store I have now, we have been takeout only for the last year. So um, here in Massachusetts, um, my staff members are fully eligible for the vaccine starting Monday. Okay. So hopefully by April, um, we'll be able to open indoor seating again. Um, And then we're going to see how that goes. And then we're going to go down to Philadelphia and get going on what we're getting going on. So we're feeling pretty good about it, though. Yeah, fingers crossed that everything works well and you can move on with your projects. Yeah, (laughs) let's hope. Knock on wood. (laughs) <laughs> and so what are your handle if people want to follow you on social media for example so you can follow me online um on instagram i'm ar.childs and i'm at vegan massachusetts vegan massachusetts is a lot of fun it's where you can find all the great vegan spots in and around boston um and just the whole state of massachusetts um or at crepeberry wellesley on Instagram, so those are my four minutes. You shall check out my podcast I do with my cousin Beth. That's at Ghost Hunting in New England. Yes. And um, we're uh, not, in, we don't talk a lot about veganism, but we do talk a lot about ghosts, so that's a lot of fun too. Yes, I listened to it actually. Hey, you listened to it. It's that's pretty great. Fun, yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I listened to it. Yeah, I wanted to see how it was. It's pretty cool, honestly. <laughs> I don't know much about ghosts, but it's always fun. And yeah, I like the last episode. It's very historical as well, so I like history. and. So it's oh, nice good. to mix both. And yeah, I don't know much about Boston, but um, we traveled quite a lot. My husband and I, we traveled quite a lot. So, and we had looked at Boston at some point in our like travels. So we have never been yet, but hopefully oh, we can go one day. Over. And, yeah, it's nice to hear some like stories like that. Like, you know, because it's unusual stories. So it's quite cool to hear about them. So you should check out her, her podcast too. So I'll just put everything on the show notes. Uh, and before COVID, obviously, before the pandemic, did you have any events or organi- organizing event events with Vegan Massachusetts? Or is it just really like kind of a directory? Yeah, so we did. Before the pandemic, we definitely did some more stuff. Um, post the pandemic, we plan on doing even more stuff. But um, right now, we just don't know. So we just got to kind of wait a little while longer. Yeah, of course. But hopefully this fall. Yeah, so if you're from Massachusetts, then just definitely go and follow the handle at vegan Massachusetts if you don't follow it already I'm assuming if you're vegan in the area you probably already follow it but just in case <laughs> just make sure you do it um, thank you so much Amelia for being here it was really nice to talk to you and I think we covered lots of things thank you so much for having me this was lovely and thank you for having this podcast I think this is a great way to get people involved and have a nice global community of people so this is a wonderful idea thank you so much for having me on I really appreciate it oh thank you If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. It would also be amazing if you could leave me a review and share it. If you do, I'll be sure to give you a shout out on a future episode. And if you have any thoughts on today's episode or suggestions for my next guests, email me at hello at starringvegans.com or message me on Instagram at starringvegans. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.